You're listening to the Sell Me Something Good podcast, the show that helps business leaders work smarter and sell more. We'll discuss how to create repeatable and scalable programs and processes, how to navigate common business challenges, how to turn your idea into a business, and much, much more. We're on a mission to create a space where business leaders and creatives can connect, share information, and build each other up. Now let's get it. Hey guys, I'm here with Jason Tessera from Upmarket. Um, wanted to talk about working at a startup, building a startup, and what challenges salespeople, whether it's from the CEO to the founder to sales reps face when working at, uh, with small companies. So Jason, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Hey guys, thanks so much for having me, Terry. Really appreciate being able to jump on this podcast and talk a little bit about our business. Awesome. Thanks so much for joining us. So let's go ahead and get started. I want to start by talking about um, the importance of like getting your your product together, marketing strategy, all kind of like the, the onboarding your first customer, all that aligned um, or in place before you think about like hiring and scaling a sales, sales organization because um, you have to pivot between a lot of different responsibilities, you know, when you're, I guess, navigating with a really small team. Um, I know you you probably were like a team of one or or few. And I know from people that I've I've worked with and spoken with in the past, like having small teams is really really makes you a jack of all trades. Um, but the challenge there is that you really you never get to really focus on one thing and do that one thing super well in terms of internal processes. So I think like to your point, like developing a strong marketing um, perspective, developing a strong product, and having um, a strong team that can support customers as you bring them um, on board is super important before you try to then go out and get more customers, right? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> like get, definitely. Your, get your stuff together first. Even And even coming from a more traditional sense of running sales within a team, right? It's almost a handicap when you actually start selling within your own startup. Um, and what I mean by that is you expect uh, to, to run processes like sales processes. Uh, but the fact is that the first you know, 10 customers, you're going out to your own community and begging people to try um, and give you a chance with their, you know, with their business. Um, and you're, you think that running the sales program itself is going to be, you know, going out and, and, and doing a large scale outreach. Um, but the fact is that you have to have real customers. Yeah, mm-hmm. you've got to have marketing in place first. And those things take time and it takes a lot of effort to make sure that they're done right. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So it's it's a little it's almost a little bit of a handicap if you come from an almost traditional like enterprise or SaaS sales background because you think that you can go about doing things the same way mm-hmm. um, when you really have to save that for a lot later and really get you know grassroots with with the approach at the start. Yeah, 100%. I think too, just to add on to that, like mm-hmm. when thinking about um, the responsibility that we place on sales sales teams, mm-hmm. sales reps, right? We expect them to find our customers, in some cases, create content to get customers, to, get, to, to keep them interested and engaged, mm-hmm. we expect them to nurture relationships and then bring home a, a deal. Mm-hmm. And so like thinking of all that responsibility we place on the, the reps um, and where we can kind of move some of that responsibility over to other pieces of the or areas of the organization i think is another key thing to note because i I realize that like um you know your point about enterprise sales and um reps having to just kind of hit the ground running Mm -hmm. but we're expecting reps to close really large deals in enterprise sales um without necessarily equipping them with all the tools that they need to do so and so um 
what do I mean? I mean, like reps don't necessarily trust the content that they're being given by maybe marketing or others. Maybe it's not impactful enough, but they don't have a, a great feedback loop to, to share that information. Um, so they just do it themselves. And so they wind up owning a lot of the process, um, building it and then executing on it. And it never really gets back to the people who really need to know whether it's working well or not, the details. And so making sure that there's a system in place so that even on a small scale, um, you have a loop where people who are building the processes are communicating with people who are actually executing um, on the, the, front, the, the front lines, I'd say. Yeah, and I mean, if there's a way to automate that feedback loop, uh, even better. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, that kind of reminds me of upmarket um, that mm -hmm. kind of supports SDRs in that way, right? So mm -hmm. um, you get to see in real time where um, SDRs, new SDRs specifically, are coming on board and they're going through training and onboarding and you can determine what's working, what is in. So that helps you build your processes internally as well. And it's really impactful for small teams, um, definitely for big teams, but you can really see its impact for smaller teams because there aren't as many people. So you can truly see like what's working, what isn't and make, make changes as often as you need to. Um, so that like consistent automated feedback is, is super critical, especially for small, small organizations. Absolutely. Yeah, and I want to touch on, you know, the fact that in, in smaller organizations, when you're first starting out and you're trying to get those first 10 customers, um, you know, everything is on the CEO or, or the, the founder of the company. Mm -hmm. um, and they're going to do whatever they, they can to get those customers, probably mostly through relationships. That's the first place to start. Um, but then after those 10 customers come in, then it, that's exactly what you need. Like you said, you need a jack of all trades that can step into a role and you know, figure out the gaps, listen, understand the gaps, um, create the content if it's required, mm -hmm. work with work with product or, or work with the CEO to make the, the other parts happen, to start having those conversations with people that maybe aren't in our networks to start with. Um, and that, I think that's a very tricky role to have a traditional salesperson jump into. Yeah. Um, I think that that's what created this, you know, big, uh, big push for the term growth hacker. Mm -hmm. um, a couple of years ago. And a growth hacker is that person mm -hmm. that's like part marketing, part sales, uh, part product. And they part sit at that. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think they sit at that like 10 to 10 to 50 or maybe 10 to hundred customer level. And, and they're super important because um, they're going to, they're going to really help to bring back information. And they're also, the comp structure is probably very different. Mm -hmm. uh, they might not be comp directly on deals or, or most of their, their comp might not be directly on deals. And that's probably because deals come few and far between at that early stage. Um, so, so yeah, there's, there's just different roles and different people that have to play different parts at, at that early stage uh, sales process. Yeah, definitely. And you brought up a good point when you mentioned that typically like the founder, the CEO, is responsible for securing the first 10 customers and then what happens next. That's yeah. a really good point, right? So once you've leveraged your network mm -hmm. and you've uh, you know, done all you can there, yeah. how do you make that next step? Like from you know your personal network of people that you know to getting onto the fields, you know, cold, cold leads really. It's tough, yeah. So, you know, that I think personally for me, I think that's why accelerator programs, um, VCs, et cetera, are so important. Mm -hmm. uh, you see growth rates skyrocket when you have venture capital backing, um, you know, plus 17 points when you have actual VC backing versus if you're just trying to grow yourself. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's primarily, it's not just the money I and mean, the money really helps, 
but it's only the network. The network that you get from your community that isn't just you, know, you um, that's huge. So when you start going from the 10 to 100, that's one avenue. Um, and, and if you don't have that, it's still possible. It's just it's a lot of hard work. Mm-hmm. Um, it's pushing a product. It's really going out there and it's doing that growth hacking work, which is uh, trying everything you can to market, sell, and have just more conversations. Yeah, yeah 100%. What do you, um, we're talking about, you know, getting potential investors, right? right. The small company. What do you recommend um, when, you, when people are thinking about, uh, you know, they're at a place where they feel their company is ready um, to be taken to the next level, but they're short on funding. Maybe they need staffing um, and they can't support that on their own. So what are the steps? What are people, what should people, entrepreneurs, small business owners be thinking about before they take that step and try to get an investor on board? Yeah, I think, I think it just comes down to, you know, pretty straightforward fundamentals. There's customers, uh, there's the revenue that you're bringing in, and there's the long-term story and vision. Um, if you have customers, you have people that believe in you, and you can tell a story that resonates with specific types of investors, uh, then that's your best shot. You know, investors that believe in you as a person, your team as a, as a group, um, and the big problems you're trying to solve. Um, so being very select about the investors that you're going after is, is very important, because that's just going to make the capital flow much faster. Um, and, and I think now there's there's so much nuance in the different types of investors that are out there. Um, there's a lot more information about what they're interested in, what their prior mm-hmm. investments look like, that it's it's easier to find them. Um, but it's still, I mean, it's still a large job as well. So after those first 10 customers, the CEO can now start thinking about, okay, I've got the first 10, we have revenue coming in, we might not be fully profitable yet, but we have you know, money coming in. Um, we, we have a story to tell about these big problems we're starting to solve. Um, mm-hmm. What do the next couple of years look like? And how can I start talking to investors about that? And how can I focus all my attention on that? Um, and hopefully be able to you know, bring somebody else in to keep the sales engine going or maybe turn it into a different engine. Um, so I think, I think really investment is, is a full-time job. Mm-hmm. Um, we are all asked to do more than that full-time job. So it's, it's not all that the sure. leader is going to be doing, but, but I think that's the root. I mean, that, that's a pretty fundamental approach. Yeah. yeah. I think that's a really, really great point too. Um, and to your point of finding investors that um, speak to your product, yeah. you know, that can relate to what you're doing and really using your initial 10 customers as like your test subjects. Yeah. <laughs> So if, if you find that you're not getting great feedback with that group of people or those, 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 those businesses or people that you're working with, um, you know, maybe it's time for you to make changes in your product or your strategy um, because don't take it to an investor if the market is saying no thanks, right? So right. really making sure you have something that's worth investing in and then aligning with the right investor. Um, I think those are really great, really great points for sure. You know, I want to touch on something you mentioned about the first early customers and what their feedback looks like. Um, for us, at least at upmarket, it's been all about opening up the communication channels to mm-hmm. listen to what our customers are saying once they're using the platform. I mean, we have companies that are making thousands of calls um, every week, and we've been we've opened up chat channels. Uh, we've been very quick to jump on a Zoom uh, to understand what's going on, what they're thinking about, if they have any questions, uh, and that feedback has just been invaluable. There's so much that we did early on guessing what people wanted 
mm-hmm. that um, that was great to start with. And it was really good for the first pitches because it, it allowed us to show something. But at the end of the day, I mean, the people that took chances on us were, again, are, are kind of like friends and friend, family, companies we worked at before, you know, yeah. um, uh, those types of, those, those were our first customers. Mm-hmm. Uh, but once they actually started using it, the, uh, the face of the company changed very quickly. Now it became, okay, what are these people really, what are they trying to do in their day-to-day? And how can we quickly adapt to what they're asking for? Mm-hmm. Um, There's a lot of just all-nighters, uh, all-weekers <laughs> where we were, you know, we're just, we're watching them work during the day and then during the night, we're taking that feedback and turning it in product and the next day delivering it to them and seeing what they're saying. Um, right. Lots of that. So it was, it was all about that feedback loop. Um, and that, I think that's just more invaluable than anything else because that's enabled us to provide, you know, a real enterprise level product mm-hmm. uh, and, and help people during their day-to-day job, um, which isn't just about marketing. You know, it's not about just sales. It's about actually seeing productivity go up, um, yeah. seeing their call numbers go up, see, see the meeting set go up. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's been very exciting. Yeah, that definitely is like a motivating factor for for you, especially right. and for your, your business. I think you touched on a, a couple of other really great points um, and we can dig into it, like if you want to connect on another time. But sure. I, I think you touched on a really, really two, two really good points. One being that, um, you know, your existing customers, just because your customers doesn't mean you're not going to continue to sell to them. And right. it's not necessarily selling anything that costs something, just selling the value. Um, because those relationships are important, right? They trusted right. you enough. You, you built a strong relationship while you worked at the company or when you engage with them, you know, another walk, another walk of life. Um, and so they trusted in you enough to invest in your, in your product and, and become one of your first customers. And so continuing to nurture those relationships, learn from them, but also sell them the value and, and reinforce why they took a chance on you in the first place. Um, super, super important. And then the other piece of that is the feedback piece, right? So learning from your customers, what's working, what's not, doing really good discovery, asking great questions, even after the the, the contract has been signed, because things may change for them in terms of what their needs are and what their priorities are. And so staying, you know, keeping open lines of communication and really making sure that as things change for them, maybe there's there are trends across throughout the industry that they work in. Um, Does that help? Does that identify additional opportunities for you and your product to evolve? Um, and how can you guys kind of create a partnership where you grow along with them? So really just really great, great points around that feedback loop um, and, and the relationships and then continuing to build on that even after, you know, the, the contract is signed. Absolutely. Love talking about that, Terry. That's, it's a huge thing for us. Awesome. Thanks again. And we'll see you next time on Sell Me Something Good.